as I was thinking about not having Thanksgiving service this week and so forth, and thinking what to share this morning, I was led to focus on some verses, and one verse in particular in Second and First Thessalonians chapter five. If you care to turn there, you can peruse those verses. But um, one of the things that I believe that is foundational in our ability to truly give thanks and and to experience the joy of a thankful heart comes in Paul's admonition to us there in this passage. Uh, let's read. Uh, let's begin reading in verse fourteen. I'll read through. Um, um, 18. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any other unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This morning I would like to use verse 16 as a short text verse. Rejoice evermore. And um, <clears throat> as I was perusing some hymns this morning, earlier this morning, I noticed a few things that stood out to me and... and um, it shouldn't surprise us that on the writer's, the hymn writer's thought process as well, many times included that aspect of joy, that aspect of rejoicing. And um, some of the hymns speak of the, the joy the angels had, even just looking on at the news of the gospel. Here in the hymn we've sung, number 205, notice, and I'll just read a couple of the words out of the third verse. Jesus all the day long was my joy and my song. Oh, that more his salvation might see. He hath loved me, I cried. He hath suffered and died to redeem such a rebel as me. As I reflected on this command to be a rejoicing people, rejoice evermore, to have a state of rejoicing, that our joy is, is carried forth in an ongoing pattern, ongoing continuation. If you care to open your church hymnal hymn book, I was looking for songs, hymns on joy. And I happen to notice number 30, Before Jehovah's Awful Throne. Very familiar hymn we appreciate greatly. The first verse, first stanza says, Before Jehovah's Awful Throne, ye nations bow with sacred joy. Sacred joy. Rejoice evermore. What is sacred joy? What is involved in that? <clears throat> we don't have to be reminded 
very often that we live in an imperfect world, fraught with cares and disappointments. joys and sorrows, but it is not all all joy. It is not all happiness in the from the perspective of the flesh. And yet we are given a message that causes us to rejoice. And Paul says, rejoice evermore. What causes you to experience joy, to rejoice? Someone has said the emotion that we feel when we become blessed with the thought of receiving something excited by the expectation or, or the, the ability to acquire, to receive something good. And um, one of the things that makes our sacred joy, the hymn writer referred to there, stand far and above the things that this world offers is that it indeed is sacred. It is something that is far beyond the simple enjoyments and pleasures of this life. However, if we forget what it is, if we grow lax in our ability to comprehend the gift, we'll talk about that a little bit more, we need not be reminded that it is easy for us to, to not experience that joy and spirit of rejoicing because we allow ourselves to be consumed with other things than the, the thought of Jesus and the full significance of that. <clears throat> Why is it that we fall short of carrying out this command of rejoicing evermore? Expressing gratitude for that which has been bestowed to us by way of a gift you know uh, in life we probably have to cultivate that spirit and expression of thanksgiving but you know a small child I remember uh, on different occasions when a small child or one of the grandchildren asked for something and you got it for them and they without you reminding them said thank you they were probably getting trained in another school somewhere to say that but it was, at times I remember saying, wow, they're pretty little, and he remembered. How did that happen? <laughs> but I also had to wonder, you know, a little child like that that can express that, do they fully grasp what it means? How much do they really appreciate what was done for them? Probably varied degrees. Um, and yet we can correlate that in a parallel sense to our need to express and rejoice in the gift of salvation amongst the many other blessings that we that are below it and that we take for granted but paul says we are to rejoice evermore 
He gives it there in a list of other directives. But um, have you ever noticed that where there is a person that is rejoicing, there is, there is a spirit of joy, there is satisfaction, there is happiness, contentment. In the definition of that joy that we refer to, we think of joy, we think of delight, we think of gladness. What are those aspects of our life that we continually take joy in knowing? I was talking with uh, Brother David last evening just briefly and discussing these difficulties of, of another individual that they were going through and, and um, struggles, difficulties. And um, I was struck with the thought that, you know, we all as people have our problems. We all have our difficulties. We all have our challenges. And we don't always know what challenges we may face as the Lord tarries. Um, as a body, as individuals, as and so forth. And I, I had to just remind myself that one of the greatest joys of, of our Christian faith is the fact that when we face those other difficulties, whether they be around us, uh, financial, emotional, mental, whatever they are, but we have, when we have the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to stand firm on, and to remind ourselves that while we can't control what's going on right here and now, we have one in whom we can confide. And we, we are reminded to again and again to commit those things to him. And it is in that confidence that we truly have the means and opportunity to rejoice. I think through the years, one of the things that I have used as an illustration that you likely will remember, any of you, <clears throat> but that which produces joy in us is an understanding of something of a gift that we treasure that is special to us. And um, as we think about receiving gifts, I remember one year, I'm not sure if it was the specialty of that season or what, but in a close period of time, I had received my third set of Chinese checkers as a Christmas gift. And I, as you may recall, I struggled with being thankful for that third set of Chinese checkers. I, I had dreams of something else. Why was that? Why couldn't I appreciate that like I should have? There is a relationship between our joy and how we perceive the gift we're given. Our ability to understand what is that gift we are given. There is a correlation as to its impact in our experience. And the greater the value we place on those gifts, 
the greater our joy as we receive them, as we reflect on them, as we go forth in them. And the joy of our salvation is truly one that never grows old. It is one that perhaps can grow old in our thought process, and our it loses uh, preeminence in our focus, but we need to remind ourselves that that is of great importance. Now, if I would have the children come forward this morning and, and give them all a gift of a penny this morning, it would probably not be a great outpouring of expression of astonishment. But if I would give them each $100 for those that had a level of comprehension, they would be somewhat more impressed, would they not? And yet, God has given to us a gift that is beyond any earthly value. One of the things I think we can ask ourselves is why is it easier to list those things that God hasn't given us? The Sunday night, Brother Chad brought a devotional on uh, murmuring and complaining or the, the challenge of that and he gave some interesting illustrations regarding that. But if you stop and think, it is probably more often heard someone expressing a uh, dissatisfaction or a complaint than a testimony of joy. That's human nature if we allow that nature to preside and to reign. I invite you to turn to James <clears throat> chapter 1. Speaking of gifts here, Verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Are we convinced? Have we experienced? Are you continuing in the joy of your salvation? The most valuable gift God has given to us is it not eternal life? Absolutely. But to, to remember that, we also have to remember that the wages of sin are death. And compare that to the gift of God being eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I already referred to the hymn there, Before Jehovah's Awful Throne. There is a reason why we, as God's people, should be able to readily identify with that thought of the nations bowing with sacred joy. Know that the Lord is God alone. He can create and He destroy. His sovereign power without our aid made us of clay and formed us men. And when like wandering sheep we strayed, He brought us to His fold again. The joy of being brought into the fold of God, knowing that 
He has restored us to that rightful place in relationship is such an expression of joy. Recently we had, I'll just turn to it briefly there in Acts, in our Sunday school lessons we had the uh, account of Philip and the eunuch. But it's just a good thing to remind ourselves there of, of what happened. In verse 38 of Acts chapter 8 we read, And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both, into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he was he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Rejoicing. What does it take for us to feel that joy, that rejoicing? I had to think of those brethren there <clears throat> cleaning up from disaster. The joy they find this day will be that sacred joy. Knowing that their trust and confidence is one that is greater than all around them that has fallen away. One of the challenges I think that you and I face is the challenge to appreciate the magnitude of what God has done for us. If you want to turn to Isaiah chapter 59, a couple of verses here that help us reflect on that. Isaiah wrote, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear, but your iniquity have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. That state of being in that place of disconnect, of lost state that the prophet here brings to our remembrance. And uh, reminds us of our need, no doubt, we are reminded of the fact that the wages of sin is death. In Revelations chapter 21, 8, we see the description of that. Those that reside in death, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The impact of sin upon man's life. As we fully are able to grasp that, it brings great rejoicing when we grasp the salvation through Christ. And his shed blood. I want to read a couple other verses from Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. Paul writing here reminds us of this principle. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ 
and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. As we rejoice evermore, that principle, that concept of God's mercy and grace to meet our need, has, to reconcile us to him, should ring loudly in our life and experience. Now if we go back to um, verse 17, we also notice that there is a change that comes about that makes room for that spirit of rejoicing. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. number of scriptures that point out the provision of joy in the life of the Christian in the gospel of John 15 verse 11 says these things have I spoken to you that my joy might may remain in you and that your joy may be full and in first John as well there's reference to that, that these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. So here again, it was a giving of, giving of information, a remembering, reminding of, of circumstance to cause us to, to give thanks and rejoice and to be joyful in the state in which God has made available to us to be reconciled to him. There perhaps can be, um, I'm not sure how much we are affected by it, probably to some degree. When we rejoice, what does that include? Now, I haven't heard any amens here this morning. Thank you, Brother Tim. I recall that in different circumstances and settings, it seems to come more natural. Uh, I remember in, in uh, Latin culture, it's, there's a tendency to be more expressive and easier to do that. But I ask us the question this morning, in what way could we, should we um, manifest that rejoicing evermore. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, Paul says, let all things be done decently and in order. Um, there is a sense in which there needs to be um, proper expression of that joy in a sincere, controlled, direct manner. And yet I think sometimes we come short. I think I come short in expressing God's goodness to me in verbalizing it in circumstances and opportunities. Um, I don't know how you feel in your own life and experience, but I would just challenge us with that. 
that sometimes in, in, culture, in a culture where we see vast emotions expressed and, and um, lack of discipline, may we be disciplined and committed and inspired to, to express that joy, that sacred joy. The opposite side, I think perhaps it's easy for us to drift into as well. In um, Matthew chapter 15, a couple of verses here I'd like to just consider briefly. Is that when we take the perspective that worship can be accomplished without involving the heart. There is danger, there is wrong, there is death. I'd like to read from verse 7 and following here. Jesus says, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouths, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out from the mouth of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter, and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, Blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. In this teaching of Christ, we are reminded that that which glorifies God is to abide in our hearts, to indwell us, to guide us, to inspire us, to rejoice evermore. make a couple of references to some verses here that uh, in the Old and New Testament, just briefly. In the book of Joel, there is a scripture there of a reminder that they were to be glad. Joel chapter 2, verse 23 is actually the reference. But they were to be glad, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God whether it's the turmoil of our nation, whether it's the needs of our hearts personally, the challenges of our families, whatever the need be, let us not forget that there is much to rejoice in the Lord our God. The psalm writer, in a very familiar passage in Psalm 122, Recorded, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This morning, 
if we were to put down on a questionnaire, were we glad this morning to come here? How many are out there listening to this on the phone or by other means that could say, I wish I could be there? I am glad to be able to hear. They are the ones that are listening. They are the ones making the effort. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 as well. And along with that spirit of rejoicing, there is that element of praise. Um, Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 19, I believe it is. <clears throat> Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That meditation, that reflection of that sacred joy that we are to be rejoicing evermore. Here in this passage as well, he follows that verse in verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and to the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles to Psalm 89. If you have your Bibles with you. Psalm 89, verse 15 and 16. If you'd like to stand, and then I'll read these verses, and then we will repeat them together, and then we'll have our closing prayer. So those of you who can stand, I'll read them once, and then we'll repeat them together. Psalm 89, 15 and 16. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk. O Lord, in the light of thy countenance, in thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. Here, let's read it together. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the joy of our salvation, for the directive to rejoice evermore. And Father, may you help us in the days in which we live to truly keep forefront in our minds your mercy and grace to us, that we would Rejoice in the blessings, your mercy and grace, and not be deceived by the, the call of the wild way of the world, the call of those things that are empty in their end. But may our faith be strengthened this week, this time of special recognition of thanksgiving, May we treasure the sacred joy we have. Guide us and go with us from this place for your glory 
and your honor. We ask it all in the name of our, Je our Savior, Jesus Christ. 